Amen, amen. Thanks, worship team. That's that's powerful time. That's good. Thank you. Um, I want to show you a picture of easily the scariest, one of one of the scariest, and at the same time, one of the most exciting days of my life. So this was the day that I became a dad. So this is our firstborn, Joy, who's right here. She's 10. Looks a little different now. Um, But yeah, this is like moments after she was born. And I was just overwhelmed. So excited, but yet going like, where's the manual? Like, what what do I do? How do I be a dad? Right? And And anyone who's been there knows what I'm talking about. You're just like, why didn't she come with a little booklet on how to do this? And if someone would have come up to me and gone, you know what, Matt, you know, you know there's nothing like tailored to her that's going to like tell you exactly what to do, but there, there actually is a manual on how to parent, um, and you already have it. I would have been like, you're crazy. No, I don't. <laughs> like, it's the Bible. Right. So particularly Proverbs has a lot to say about parenting, so certainly not not like every little detail for every little kid, but it gives us some really rock solid, obviously it's God's word, right? Rock solid key things on how to parent. We're not just left to figure it out ourselves. It's, it's not like that. We all kind of think that when first have kids, but it's, it's just not true. So um, we're going to look in Proverbs today and find some wisdom on parenting. And so the first Big piece of wisdom, as, I've, as I was looking through Proverbs, if you haven't been here with us, we're looking at chapters 10 through 30 and going after it thematically. And today, we're looking at relational wisdom, wisdom for our relationships with our kids. And so wise parents do several things we're going to see here. And the first one is that wise parents display fear of the Lord and display being the key word. So Proverbs 14, 26 says this, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge. A child's confidence and security is dependent on their parents' confidence and security. Let me let me explain to you what I mean. So you remember last December when we had, I don't know what we termed it, derecho number two, Um, it got like to 75 degrees during the day in the middle of December and then dropped in a huge cold front. We got some straight line winds again. You, you remember this? Um, it, was, it was an odd day. Um, thankfully, it wasn't, at least in Boone, near as bad as the one we got a, a, a couple summers ago. Um, but we, Heather and I, um, took some wise steps, okay? We, we had our kids come down into the basement, um, and it was December, so we turned on a Christmas movie, Right? They obviously knew there was a storm going on, but we didn't explain to them, we're getting straight line winds. It's just going to be, no, 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 no. Like, it's a storm. We should go down here, but let's watch a Christmas movie. Um, now, sure, Heather and I were concerned, but we weren't going to show that to our kids. That wouldn't have been helpful. But ultimately, we were, we were able to not freak out and be confident and secure because we feared the Lord more than we feared a storm. Does that mean we were literally afraid of God? When I say fear the Lord, and we see this in this verse, is that what we're talking about? No, that's not what we're talking about. So John Piper, um, when talking about this verse, Proverbs 14, 26, said this, fear of the Lord means fearing to dishonor the Lord, 
which means fearing to distrust the Lord. Fearing to distrust the Lord. See, we trusted that God would take care of us. Even if the power went out, even if our house got hit by some debris, even if one of us were injured, God would get us through it. And even if the worst would happen and one of us would die in this storm, Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we're in Christ. We know where we're going. That assurance, right? Nothing can separate us. So our children were confident and secure that night because Heather and I were confident and secure. But we were not confident and secure in and of ourselves, or in our circumstances. We were confident and secure because we were fearing God, which means we were trusting God. Confidence and security comes from fearing the Lord. When God is put in his proper place in our lives, other people, other things, other circumstances just aren't as scary. God is in control. I trust him. He will give me the strength that I need. That's confidence. He will give me what I need, security. Fear of the Lord, trusting the Lord, drives out all other fears. Fear overcomes fear. This verse here in Proverbs shows us that a lot of parenting is caught, not taught. Our children have a refuge, have confidence and security, it says here. Not mainly because we tell them, hey, be confident and secure, but because we ourselves find our confidence and security in the Lord. He is our refuge. When we're confident, when we're secure in the most confident and secure one, Jesus, that confidence and security is so powerful, it rubs off on your kids. So the first key to wise, godly parenting actually doesn't start with doing anything with your kids, it starts with what you're displaying for them. So the first question to ask ourselves is, do we fear the Lord? Do we trust the Lord? And this certainly begins with trusting Jesus with our sin and our eternal state. So whenever I think of this, trusting Jesus with with our sin and eternal state, assurance of salvation, I, I automatically just think John 5. And here's why I think of that. There are two key verses in John 5 and in 1 John 5. And I want to share these with you. So John 5, 24. Truly I tell you, Jesus is saying, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. There's no ambiguity here. You might have eternal life. You might pass through judgment. No, you will if you believe in him. 1 John 5, 5, 13. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's incredible. Jesus didn't die for our sin for us to believe and trust him and then turn around and go, well, do I really believe? Am I really saved? Our trust in God is firm and confident and secure because of Jesus, not because of our level of trust. See, Jesus said you can have faith or trust the size of a mustard seed and it can move mountains. See, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And yours can be too. You don't have to doubt. So that's where all 
trust, fear the Lord starts with trusting God with our eternal state and with our sin. But do, do you trust God then as your perfect father? Any wise parenting starts with trust in God's perfect parenting. Listen to how amazing our perfect heavenly father is. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. See what great love the father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. See what great love the Father has given us, that we are called children of God. And, and, and then it repeats itself. And so we are, exclamation point. This is who you are. This is your perfect Father. And that's what gives us any shot of being decent mothers and fathers to our children. But that's just the beginning. Does, does your trust in Jesus' work on the cross and therefore him being your father, your trust in him as your father, propel you to trust him day after day, to trust him in the way that you spend or don't spend your money? Does it say when you spend money, when you don't spend money, does it say, I trust you, God? Does the way you handle conflict say that you trust God? Does the way that you handle stress say that you trust God? Having kids is the great revealer of our true hearts and of our true trust in God. If, if you do not have kids, then take this opportunity to grow Take this season to grow in your trust and your awe, your fear of God now. Because if you have kids someday, it will reveal vividly in 3D where you're actually at in your trust of God. So first, do you fear God? Do you trust God? Second, do you let your kids see that you fear and trust God? Do you display it? To them, do they, do they see you respond to situations with prayer? Prayer is one of the greatest expressions of fearing the Lord and of trusting the Lord because you're saying, I need help. You are God. I am not. Do your kids know you as a prayer, as someone who responds to things by praying? Let's pray. Let's pray about that. When your money gets tight, when you're family pet dies, when plans fall through, do they hear you affirm trust in God? Do they hear you say things like this? Yeah, this is really hard, but God is with us and he's going to walk through this with us. Do they hear you say things like God is in control? And we, it, it might be hard to understand what he's doing right now, but we're going to trust him. Do they hear us say things like God is faithful? Remember when he provided for us? And walked through us, through this situation with us before. Do you remember when he did that? He's going to do that again. Do they see you worship Jesus? Do they see you stand in awe of the God of the universe? It could be in church as you really engage with the music. It could be in nature as you marvel at his creation. It could just be in your attitude, in your everyday life. You have a, a thankful attitude as God blesses you with things. Do your kids see you worship Jesus and stand in awe of him? Confidence and security comes from fearing the Lord. 
Do they see it? Do they see it in your life? The first key to wise, godly parenting doesn't start with anything you're doing with them. It's what you're displaying for them. Wise parents display the fear of the Lord, display trust of the Lord. Secondly, wise parents discipline their kids. Wise parents discipline their kids. Proverbs 13, 24. The one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. So first thing to note is that it's out of love. Discipline comes out of love. You're doing it because you love them. Listen here. Choosing not to discipline your kids is choosing not to love them in that moment. This is totally opposite of what your culture is teaching you right now. But this is the wisdom of God. Letting your kids get away with stuff is actually choosing to hate them. Do you see that that's what that verse says? This is a strong way to put it, right? Why so strong? Why is this verse so strong? How is discipline, which no matter what form of discipline you're doing, does hurt your child, why would, how is that loving? Well, Proverbs 22, 15 says this, foolishness is bound in the heart of a youth. A rod of discipline, though, will separate it from him. See, you're, you're t- teaching your kids not to be a fool when you discipline them. Sin is foolish. You're teaching them that, hey, when you sin, there are consequences. This is how life works. If my mom and dad, growing up, didn't teach me and discipline me for stealing toys, which I did for a season, stole toys from other kids in preschool. If my mom and dad didn't discipline me for that, I know, big deal, right? If my mom and dad didn't discipline me for that, I would have continued to steal. And I probably would have ended up in jail at some point and could have very easily ruined my life. The most loving thing my parents could do when I was in preschool, when I stole, was to discipline me. So this verse, though, begs the question, does the rod, when it says the one who will not use the rod hates his son, does the rod mean that you should spank your kids? Maybe. Maybe. Here, and and in several other similar verses in Proverbs, the rod does mean physical discipline. However, the timeless principle in these verses is that you just need to be disciplining your kids. Discipline means that you give them a consequence when they knowingly disobey. Now, the consequences must be appropriate, though. You, it, it probably, you, you've probably experienced this. Consequences or discipline are different with each kid. If you've had multiple kids, you get this. What works with one kid doesn't work with the next. Our youngest son, four years old, Ian, okay, Sometimes I have to not, I, not even yell, but just like get the dad voice out and the dude is crying, right? So I have to be, su- he's super sensitive. I have to just be, I mean, it's just it's different. Whereas our middle son, Brandon, he's got to usually have something physical for him to wake up. 
See, it's very different with each kid. It's also different at each stage of life. See, when they're younger, they need more immediate consequences. Their memory isn't great yet. They, they can't really connect things when they do something, and then you do something to discipline them an hour later. They, they don't get that. That doesn't work. And as they get older, it often means just not shielding, shielding them from the natural consequences for their sin. So, you know, okay, fine, stay up late, but you're still getting up and going to school on time tomorrow. They're going to bear the consequences tomorrow. You know, it can be stuff like that. Now, let me say this, and I don't say this from experience, although my daughter's 10, so I'm, we're getting there, right? But just based off this scripture, you can and should discipline your teenager. I, I just know there's a lot of parents who don't. Who pays the phone bill? Who pays the car insurance? You can take their phone from them, their keys. There are ways to discipline without spanking them as a teenager, which in my opinion, I think is, is just a little weird and silly at that, at that stage, right? We have to discipline in appropriate ways, but your teenager is at an, at an age where they, they need that. They need some correction, some loving correction and discipline. Now, it's also different with each situation. Let me, let me show you what I mean. So, same child, Brandon. Um, and a few weeks ago, Brandon, I wasn't around for this, but Brandon told my wife, Heather, I hate you. None of our children have ever said that to us before. So, this was new territory. Thankfully, I wasn't around because I don't trust what I would do in that situation. But... Um, said it to Heather, obviously really crushed her, and she told me about it later. So the next day, um, I said, Brandon, let's talk. And we were talking, and I said, hey, who's your best friend? And I, I feel like God really gave this to me, so I don't take credit for this, but um, I said, who's your best friend? He said, let's just say he said Bob, okay? I said, well, imagine if Bob um, came over after school today, and, and he made supper for you, and then he did some of your laundry, um, and then he cleaned up after supper too, and he even gave you dessert, and then read you a book before bed. I mean, how would you treat him then? Oh, I'd, I'd give him some candy, Dad. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That'd be pretty awesome, right? Now imagine instead of giving him candy, you told him you hated him. He's like, oh, that. That'd be terrible. That's, that's not what I should do. I said, well, your mom does all of those things and more. And you told her yesterday that you hated her. And that really, really hurt her feelings. I don't know if you realize that. And he just got tears in his eyes. And it's like in that moment he got it, right? So I, did not, I didn't do anything more in the way of discipline. I actually just said, hey, can I pray for you, buddy? And I prayed for him. And thankfully, I don't think he's done it since, right? Uh, who knows? But um, <laughs> so maybe it wasn't that effective, but uh, it felt effective. Um, but no, the, I, was, I was led by the Holy Spirit, and the situation didn't call for some physical discipline there. It called for a story, a parable of sorts. Well, Brandon, same child, okay? Different, it's different with each situation, with discipline, right? So same child, 
this Wednesday, I get home, which you think I would be dad of the year when I get home this Wednesday, because Wednesday is usually sermon prep day for me. So my whole day basically was spent thinking about parenting and studying scriptures on parenting, right? Yeah, not so much. So um, I get home and he, he yelled for some reason. He, he's a loud kid, at least around us. He just, he likes to yell and we have a rule you don't yell in the house. So I told him, hey, you need to stop yelling. Okay. And he yelled again. So I told him again, hey, you need to stop yelling. And he said to me, no, you stop. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. You know, that's smarting off makes me go to a tent. So I stomp up the stairs after him and I start yelling at him for yelling, right? And <laughs> it's like God grabbed me in that moment and said, Matt, what are you doing? <laughs> and so I stopped. I literally just stopped and sat down next to him and just was like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I said to him, I'm, I'm so sorry, Brandon. I'm, I'm yelling at you for yelling. That, that doesn't make sense. I'm not living out what I'm telling you not to do. And he, you know, kids are usually pretty gracious. He, he forgave me. But I explained to him that God is in charge and he put me in charge of you, so you, you don't get to smart off to me. You don't get to tell me what to do here. But you did, and you didn't listen to me. So what we do for Brandon is we often give him a flick on the cheek, um, which is a very effective form of discipline for him. So I, I did that because I was calm, um, and I did that, and I waited for him to calm down, and I gave him a hug, and I, I actually prayed for both of us in that situation. But discipline looks very different in each situation and requires some discernment and, and pressing into the Lord. But I want to, to hone in on something that I did wrong there. So discipline must be done in a self-controlled manner. Ted Tripp, who wrote one of the best books on parenting that I've read called Shepherding, Shepherding a Child's Heart, says this. He says, what godly discipline of children is not is it's not the right to an unbridled temper, and it's not venting of frustration. That's really hard. So this is why when I asked, should you spank your kids, I said, maybe. Because if you can't spank your kids or discipline them physically without being out of control, then you need to find other forms of discipline, or you're towing the line of abuse. Taking away candy, toys, screen time. There's all sorts of other ways to discipline. But if you can't control yourself, if I, if I hadn't had that Holy Spirit moment where I calmed down, asked for forgiveness, and then did that discipline, that would have been out of line for me. Discipline must be done in a self-controlled manner. Discipline them diligently, though. This verse says to do it diligently. This means regularly, consistently. There's no days off, especially when they're young. They need that stability in their life. They need regular, diligent discipline. It's one of the most loving gifts you could give your kid in the long run. 
We live in a culture that celebrates letting kids do whatever they want. And, and the, you know, I hear this phrase even from parents in, in, a, in a good way, I think. But, hey, I'm just trying to be my child's best friend. No, you're not their best friend. That's bad parenting. Proverbs sternly warns us that it is unloving. And it will turn your child into a monster if you do not discipline them. First key to wise, sorry, not the first key, the second key to wise godly parenting is to discipline your kids. I want you to listen to God's wisdom some more on Proverbs on this. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and you will rescue his life from Sheol. Proverbs 29, 15, a rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a youth left to himself is a disgrace to his mother. Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your child and it will bring you peace of mind and give you delight. Discipline your kids diligently, appropriately, and out of love. Wise parents discipline their kids. Lastly, wise parents direct their kids. Proverbs 22, 6. Start a youth out on his way, and even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Now, I did a lot of study on this verse, and it's, it's rather complicated to wrap your mind around. So I was looking at the Hebrew, and I think, so we use the Christian standard by the CSB, and I think that's actually not a great translation of it. It's okay, um, but I think the New Living Translation hits it more on the head in our modern-day language. So it says, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. So it begs the question, what's the right path? What are we to direct our kids onto? What is this path? Well, obviously Proverbs over and over says the right path is the way of wisdom, but what is the way of wisdom? Well, our, our children's ministry is actually named after Deuteronomy 6, D6. So when you see that D6, this is the passage. I want to show you this. Proverbs, or sorry, not Proverbs. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7 says this. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. So what's the way of wisdom that we're to direct our kids onto? Very simply from this passage, we direct our kids to love God and we direct our kids to love God's word. That's the right path. How do you do that though? How do you direct your kids to love God's word? Let's start with that. Well, we can memorize his word with them. Right now, I love Emily Smith uh, uh, does the curriculum for our D6 children's ministry. I love what they're doing right now. Every eight-ish weeks, is that right? Um, they're having a new memory verse, but they're, we're just working on that one memory verse for eight weeks. Here's the thing. You can memorize one memory verse in eight weeks with your kids. That is, that is a simple thing. I know we have a lot going on, but is not God's word being hidden in the hearts of our kids worth it? How else are they going to learn to love it? So right now, parents, you can do this probably before you leave. You probably already know it. Right now, their verse is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How 
foundational for them to have hidden in their heart. You can, you can do this. Memorize God's word together with your kids. Second, apply God's word to everyday life. When they're scared at bedtime, when there's a storm like there was last night, our go-to is Psalm 56.3, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. So you go, what do, we, what do we do when we're afraid? We trust in the Lord. When they're picked on at school, Matthew 5.43, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How could you love this person? How could you, let's pray for them right now, actually. Weave in scripture into their everyday situations and they'll see in a really practical way how valuable God's word is and they'll develop a love for it. How can you direct your kids to love God? Well, it starts by loving them like God loves us and and God loves us by, by cultivating a relationship with us. He invites us into this relationship then he walks with us, he abides with us. Cultivate relationships with your kids. A few weeks ago, I asked you to share with someone on your way out, hey, uh, who's the wisest person you know? And so you shared that with someone, and someone shared with me, uh, Steve Jones, who happens to also be my mentor. And I was like, well, how do you know Steve Jones? And he's like, I don't actually really know him that much. He's preached here a few times, but I, I've seen the fruit of his kids' lives. I'm like, oh, wow. That's, that, that's interesting. And, but he's going off this verse right here. But Steve Jones often says this to me when I meet up with him, when we're talking about parenting. He says, make sure your kids are seen, heard, and known. Seen, heard, and known. Are they seen? Do you spend undistracted time with them? Are, are, they know, are they heard? Do you listen well to them? Do you ask them lots of questions? Are they known? Do you help them believe that you really understand them? Do you, do you study them? Do you get to know their likes and dislikes and strengths and weaknesses? See, this is loving them like God loves us. He sees us. He hears us. He knows us inside and out. He cultivates a relationship with us. Are you loving them like God loves us by cultivating a relationship with each one of your kids? You can also direct them to love God in ways that they naturally enjoy. So the ESV here says to train up a child in the way that he should go. So the Hebrew actually has this this thing where it's not just like in this general direction, It is in this general direction of loving God and loving his word, but it's also a specific direction that's tailored to the kid, to the individual. Your your firstborn's favorite way of expressing love for God will not be the same way as your secondborn's necessarily. So let me just give you some examples. So my wife, Heather, likes loving God through teaching third through fifth graders. I like loving God by drumming. Joy likes loving God by organizing things. Brandon, my second born, likes loving God by making art. And Ian's really young. Not sure yet. (laughs) But help your child discover what they really enjoy doing. Then 
help them do it in a way that brings glory to God. One of the best examples I've seen of this, I, I read the biography of Tim Tebow. And, and what Tim Tebow would do, he, he described, described this in his biography, his parents saw from an early age that he really loved sports and he really loved football. So he, they were like, Timmy, how can you use this to really love God and to point to God? And so as he got older, this is one of the things he did. So when he was in college at Florida, uh, he would put on his, his, his eye patches here, scripture. And then he'd be in the national spotlight. There he is at the national championship game. And people are seeing scripture and hopefully looking it up and getting introduced to Jesus. See, he would just find subtle ways and he made no bones about it. He'd always give credit to Jesus and talk about Jesus. Say what you want about the guy as a football player who played for an NFL team that I won't talk about. Say what you want about him as, a, as an athlete, but the guy desperately loves Jesus. But he didn't just start doing that. His parents taught him that. Help your child discover what they really enjoy doing and then, and then direct that passion to help them love Jesus. One more important thing about Proverbs 22.6, and you can go to the next slide here. One more important thing. Trevin Wax, a theologian, says this about the genre of Proverbs, the, the type of literature it is. He says, Proverbs are general truths about the way the world normally works, not specific promises that encompass every possible situation. So it's super important, especially with this verse. This isn't always how it is. This is just normally how it works. So there are parents that have done their best at directing their kids to love God and to love his word and, and love Jesus. They've really directed their kids to Christ, and maybe this is you. Yet, their kids chose to reject Jesus. And here's what I'd want to do if this is you this morning. I just want to set you free and go, that's not on you. That's not on you. Be free of that guilt. This verse is not meant to make you feel like junk. And there are also parents who, who didn't direct their kids to Jesus much at all. Yet, their kids are following hard after Jesus. See, it's not always how it is. But generally, this is how it is. And this is the nature of the book of Proverbs. Again, this isn't a promise. It's just generally how it works. So last thought I want to share with you. As I've been praying about this the last several weeks, about this message, and looking at the scriptures God's just been putting this line in my mind and stamping this on my heart, and I've been trying to really live it out in my own parenting. And it's this, am I moving toward my kids? Am I moving towards them? Whether I'm disciplining them or teaching them or spending quality time with them, am I moving toward them or am I just avoiding them? Right? It's pretty easy to do that, especially I'm finding as they get older. They just kind of like to do their own thing, so I'll just let them do their own thing. No, they need me in their life as their dad. They need you in their life. Even if they you know, communicate otherwise, they want and need that deep down. Are you moving towards them? Or are you avoiding them? Or are you coming at them? See, coming at them is not the same as moving towards them. I think the title of that manual on parenting should be that, move towards your kids. And then we put all of these verses in there. Move towards them.
in love. See, that's what God did with us. He moved towards us. He saw that we were dead in our sins, needed a Savior, and sent Jesus, took that first step, took that move towards us, sent him to the cross, rose from the dead, invited us into relationship with him. When we trust in him, we get the Holy Spirit. He moved towards us. See, be like God who moved towards us and move towards your kids. On days when you really don't feel like it, when you're so tired and you just you don't want to and you just kind of want to check out, remember how God moved towards you and moved towards your kids in love. Let's pray. Jesus.